Hi everyone, this is Dan Miller and you're listening to Speaking of Products. On this show, I focus on what it takes to start and grow a business around technology products. These days, there are so many fantastic people creating all sorts of wonderful technology products that make our world a better place. For every one of the popular platforms you know and love, there are many more new and lesser known ones on the way. I'm on the journey myself to create a technology product business, and so I've produced this podcast as a way of sharing the ideas, strategies, and tactics I discover on the way. There's always something we can learn from ambitious founders and what they do to get ahead. The goals here are to highlight what has worked for the success stories and to uncover what is going on with those hidden gems. Welcome back to Speaking of Products. In today's episode, I'm having a conversation with Steve McLeod. Now, I came across Steve in late 2019. Steve is the host of a podcast called Bootstrapped. Bootstrapped.fm is where it's at. And it's a really cool show, actually. They they talk all about, you know, starting your own product-based businesses, similar to what we've got here at Speaking of Products. But Steve is actually a long way down the path. He's been at it for quite a number of years. And so I get a lot out of listening to his podcast. And recently, Steve was talking about uh, a new acquisition, a new product he's acquired for his business and him and his team are working on. And one of the challenges they faced when they got it, and I understand this is probably one of the attractions to it, is it wasn't doing that well in terms of its search engine optimization. In other words, it just wasn't showing up on Google. And I thought to myself when I heard Steve talking about it, there's a very interesting topic there. I reckon the listeners of Speaking of Products would love to hear from the experience of someone who's grown and built a number of software products in the past and who's taking the challenge of turning a new one around. And hearing from Steve's experience about using search engine optimization to do that. So you'll hear a lot about that in the episode. And we'll also go into a bit of the background of where Steve's from originally and where he's living now and working nowadays, what he's up to in terms of his work life, his family life, those sort of things. So you really get to know a little bit about the man behind the products. And that's what I love about speaking of products. We don't just talk about the technologies, we actually talk about the people as well. But of course, a show about products wouldn't be complete without talking about the products. And you'll hear a bit about those as well. So like I mentioned, Steve actually has a team and they work together on two products. One's called Sabre Feedback. The other one is called Feature Upvote. So you hear all about those. All right, I've probably talked enough already about what's going to be in the show. Why don't we just start listening to it, hey? Let's get into the episode. All right, Steve, thanks for joining us. It's nice to have you here. Thanks for having me, Dan. It's a pleasure. Yeah, well, I've been looking forward to chatting you for a while now. I've been following along your podcast, Bootstrapped, and that very much got me interested in hearing about one of the things you've been talking about lately. Um, So what I wanted to talk about today was a little bit about search engine optimization or SEO and how it can be used as a good strategy for people growing and building their, their products around, their sorry, their businesses around products. I uh, thought I might also then talk a little bit about your products, obviously, because this is a show about products, feature upvote and saver feedback. But first, I'd love to get to know a little bit more about you, Steve. I understand that you're from the one end of the world, New Zealand, and you found your way all the way on the other side of the world in Spain. That's How did in, that happen? That's indeed correct. <laughs> in fact, uh, a couple of years ago, we visited Cordoba, a town and a city in Spain, and it turns out it's directly opposite the country, the city I was born in. So when I was in Cordoba, I could not be further from my hometown unless I left the planet. Wow. 
<laughs> so That's a long way. <laughs> it is, it is. And I made a point of telling my family and they were wondering what, what I was trying to run away from. I'm not trying to run away from anything. So I'm from Hamilton <laughs> in New Zealand, in the North Island, uh, a little bit south of Auckland. Uh, how did I get here? My life has been long and varied. I've lived in five different countries, I think. I kind of grew up partly in Australia and in New Zealand. So uh, New Zealand, well, that's where I'm from. It's only loosely my home these days. And yeah. I developed that travel bug that a lot of young Kiwis and Aussies get. And yeah. it took me so long to get over it. And by that time, I found that I was actually living in Europe. And I figured this is actually where I was more comfortable. I like the culture here, the international nature, the uh, the way you can just travel for a short distance and be in a place where the food's different, the language is different, the culture is different. And nice. yeah, that worked for me. And then once I realized I wanted to stay in Europe, Barcelona was pretty much the best city. Is it a good city for building products? Is it a good uh, environment for being around folks who are doing the same sort of thing as you? It's becoming a lot better. When I first moved here, it was really hard to find like-minded people. A lot of expats or foreigners who move here do so more for the... Um, the party life and yeah I, I struggled for a bit to find people who are a bit more serious about uh, their career and their businesses but this has changed uh, I think it's become a real world worldwide phenomenon of people building products and making startups and and it's definitely happening a lot here in Barcelona now nice yeah well that's one of the benefits of being able to do what you do is to being able to live where you want that's the, the one that's why we do it exactly exactly I'm <laughs> 10 minutes walk from the Mediterranean I'm an hour's drive from the Pyrenees, the mountains, uh, 15 minutes from Barcelona Airport, which will take me to almost anywhere I want to go in normal days. Of course, not at the moment. Yes, speaking yes. in the heart of <laughs> COVID. Yeah. So I would highly recommend Barcelona as a place for people to live. Nice. Well, we'll have to have to say good day one time if I ever pop over that way. It's we probably will, be indeed. a while now, in, the, in probably into the indefinite future. I have no idea when that might be. <laughs> yeah, well, you guys in Australia are not allowed out of the country, I heard. Oh, that's right. And the well, you are lucky that you got out of Melbourne when you did. I remember hearing on your podcast that you were down in Melbourne. They are still in lockdown. So you just missed out. Oh, you just snuck out at the right time there, Steve. Uh, that's, that's, that's luck. Mm. Oh, well, good. I'm glad that you're all well. I'm glad your family's well. Um, that's Thanks. wonderful to hear. Yeah. All right. So New Zealand, back in the day, Mm -hmm. technology, how on earth did you find yourself getting into this profession? <laughs> well, believe it or not, they actually do have a modern society and technology in New Zealand. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you can do technology from anywhere, but I still think the, the experience of living in a place with a thriving tech scene where you can meet people in person somehow just makes it so much easier you know, people were not making SaaS products or software startups when they live out in the countryside by themselves very much. It's completely and utterly possible, but you need yeah. that uh, that experience of being around other like-minded people, meeting regularly and sharing a beer or a coffee or a walk in the park and talking about your challenges. Or a podcast. Yep, or a that podcast. Sort of <laughs> That's more happening more and more these days. People are very much, especially with the lockdown situation, finding new and innovative ways to connect with each other. And I'm really loving it. So it's nice to see in this community especially, in the technology community especially, everyone's really reaching out a lot more. Mm. Ah, good stuff. Yeah. Well, that's interesting. Um, but 
what I do know about you is you've been at this for quite a while. You've been doing your own bootstrap company since about 2008, from what I found when I looked at your uh, website from your podcast. So that tells me that you've got a fair bit of experience. And I reckon you've got a lot to share with the listeners around this topic of using search engine optimization as a strategy for growing and building and growing your products. So we'd love to talk about that if we could. You know, for a long time, I thought SEO was a dirty word. Uh, hmm. I connected it with those old so-called black hat techniques people used to use, you know, keyword stuffing. You remember the sites that would have uh, gray oh, text yeah. on a gray background at the very bottom yeah. of the page, every single thing they could think of that might describe yeah. your product. Then I thought it was about um, doing dodgy tricks to get around loopholes in Google. It took yep. me so and long to, yeah. And for so long, we also get um, those spam emails from people saying, oh, I understand you've got a business and you've got a website. Let me help you with SEO. <laughs> so oh, yeah, I can goodness. see where you come from there. <laughs> How many a day do you get of them? <laughs> yeah, they're nonstop. <laughs> so for, for a long time, I discounted SEO as something that I didn't want to do. It was dirty. I didn't want to do it. And I tell you what, it, it my business suffered because of that attitude. Mm. Uh, SEO, now I see it as just making good content for people and structuring that content in a way that Google understands what it is so it shows it to the right people. Now, if there's something dirty about that, well, then I'm probably in the wrong profession. But <laughs> No, not at all. I can see that these days, if you can do search engine optimization well, you're basically making sure that people that need to find out about what you've got, and mostly those people are the ones that you're getting connected to other people who aren't really interested in that topic, they'll be head, sent off in another direction. And that's actually a good result in the end because the people that are going to be finding you and, and getting in touch with you, they're the ones that you really want to be talking to and vice versa. So I think, I think it's, it's gone past the days of that black hat side of things. And it's actually crucial these days to providing a really good experience for people, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, indeed. And I believe that for a bootstrapped product or a bootstrapped product owner, SEO is one of the two main channels available for, for your product, no matter what the product is. There's that plus um, pay-per-click advertising. And pay-per-click advertising is expensive. You'll get it wrong at first. You'll go through a lot of money, whereas you can start SEO on a budget of zero. Well, this is your time to account for, but you don't need to pay anybody to get started with the basics. There's a ton of helpful material on the internet. And it's also something you don't have to get right on the first day, you can just start with one piece of content, make a couple of improvements to it, and then keep learning and keep modifying what you do uh, iteratively. It's that, that whole ease of what we do, how easy it is to change stuff on the internet. Yeah, that's actually a good point, place to start, I reckon, the discussion is how, how would someone get started? Let's say they were starting a product from scratch or, mm -hmm. or they've had a few products before and they're getting into a new one, or perhaps, and we'll talk about this later, Perhaps they've taken over a product and they'd like to revamp the SEO side of it. What sort of things should someone do? How could they get started? Talk to your friends, your family, colleagues, acquaintances. Tell them what your product is. Then listen to them describe it back to you. People almost always do that. Like if I tell people about Feature Upvote, you know, it's a place where people can openly suggest improvements to your product. Other people say, oh, so like I can make feature requests and it tracks it. Like, Bingo. Okay. That's the phrase how people describe it. So then you go and make a web, a web page whose title is feature request tracking. Those very words people have said, and you put the content on the page that describes 
how your product helps people track feature requests. Now, already you've got a, some content there that's matching the phrase that a real-life person uses to describe your product. That in itself is a very good starting point. One page based on talking to people with the uh, the headline of the page, the you know the H1 to use HTML talk, matches exactly the thing you think people would search for to find your product. Yeah, nice. And you know what? That just breaks you out of the mold that some people get in. And we, I'm guilty of this, and I reckon a lot of people in the tech industry are as well, is that when we get down into the details of whatever it is we're working on, we're there for such a long time and for so many focused hours that things start becoming second nature to us. But we all start start thinking of highly complex topics and ways of describing things as if they just roll off the tongue for us. But for the average person out there who doesn't do that, who doesn't build products for a living, that's just alien language. That's not the sort of language they use in their own world. So yeah, right. Listening to other people, having a conversation with them and then hearing it feedback from them in their own words. That's an awesome tip, Steve. Yeah. Thank you. I'll tell you something else that worked very well for me with SEO. Back when I was learning the basics of it, I uh, was making a website that comp- a web page that compared my product to a major competitor. So in our case, user voice is the the big the big um, product in our space. I was at a software conference and I described what feature up for it was to people who politely asked. And time after time they'd say, Oh, so like user voice. And I'd say, No, no, we're completely different. But actually they had a point. We're quite similar to user voice. So yeah. I put together a page that just compared us to user voice. An alternative to user voice, I think, is the headline, or it was the original headline. We've changed it since. And yeah. and uh, that again is trying to capture searches from people who type feature uh, user voice alternative. Hopefully Google cooperates and shows them our page and the results. They come there, and this is a chance for us to explain exactly how we're different to user voice. That's no, it's, SEO. Yeah, yeah. it's it's, it's more, more than SEO, but SEO is how we're getting people to the page. They actually have this thing they want, which is an alternative to a product that for some reason they're not prepared to use anymore. In user voice case, it was the outrageously high price. It's $1,000 per month mm. for minimum or something. And, you know, we're a fraction of that. So uh, that's that's a really good example of an SEO technique that anybody can do, even if they're starting today with their product. Nice. I like what's happening. And I like what you said at the start where you used to think of it, and it actually was, it was a bit of a black hat environment where people could actually do tricky, nasty things in the background and game the system. I like now that it's maturing a lot more and it's starting to head towards a much more natural way of engaging with for people like you would in the real world. I come from a background from a long, long time ago where one of my part-time jobs when I was at university was just selling fruit. I'd go to the markets and I'd have to talk to everyone that would walk past and they go, hi, how are you going? You know, can I interest you in something what I'm selling today? And that's a lot of fun because you really get to chat with a lot of people. But after a while, you did hear them say the same sort of things every time. Oh, have you got any of those apples? I really like those red ones. Or have you got any of those Fujis? And so you'd really start talking back to them before they arrived. You'd say something and then they'd be amazed. They'd be saying, how did you know I was going to say that? So that's what SEO is. Being able to predict what people are going to say and giving them the information that they were going to look for before they even ask for it. That I reckon that's what you've described there. And that's a really interesting way that we're going. So I like it. 
And, and how do you predict what they're going to say? One, by talking to them, but also we have the great tools now that enable us to find out. So once you've put together five or 10 decent pages on your website designed to attract Google traffic, by using Google Search Console, you can actually see what search terms people are typing in that sends them to those pages, which then allows you to modify the content, tweak the content even more, or to create brand new pages. For nice. example, uh, we discovered that people were often searching for idea management software, which uh, I hadn't even thought of feature upvote being an ideas management. I just thought of it as feature voting. And we were ranking, so we were getting um, impressions on Google for that, but we weren't ranking very high. So we figured, well, why not make a page tailored for that keyword, idea management software, and throw that up there and see how it goes. So that's kind of listening to what people say, but yep. using the technology or the tools that Google provides to us to help. Yeah. And that just pointed out a very, very important thing. You've said it a few times, speaking to people and listening to people. That's critical, isn't it? You've, you can't do this alone. You can't do this on your on, by yourself. You actually have to get out there and talk to others to do this. So that's one of the key things I think you've mentioned there. So that's strong. Yeah, uh, definitely a helpful thing to do. Are there things that you think people should probably avoid uh, if they're just getting started in this space or even if they've been at it for a while? What sort of things should people avoid doing? So if they're just getting started, don't go down the rabbit hole. You'll find these articles which are helping with SEO, but they're designed for people who have already done all the basic stuff. The basic stuff will take you a long, long way. And if you're just getting started, you just don't need to worry about the amazing, complicated stuff of building up uh, um, certain, what do they call them, open graph uh, meta tags uh, yep, yep. and uh, trying to make content clusters and so on. That's all the advanced place. For now, just if you're a very beginner at this, you just start with putting some decent content on your site, going through a guide to get the uh, on-page basics right, which, you know, making sure you have one clear header, that the content structured easily, that it actually answers the question or promises the answer. You have a call to action, blah, 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 a whole bunch of things. You'll find lots of guides for that on the internet. A very yep. good one to start with is moz.com, M-O-Z. Ah, used to be SEO yep. Moz. They have an actually brilliant guide for beginners to the stuff to get all the basics correct. Uh, more basics include adding a site map, um, making sure you don't have broken links and unnecessary redirections and so on. Uh, so that was the first part of your question. The second part was for people who are really good at this. Yeah. Okay. I'm no expert at this. I, I wouldn't put myself at expert level. So I'd say if you feel like you want to continue moving on, talk to a professional, hire them only for maybe two or three days if you need to. But it's amazing yep. how much you gain by letting the people who live and breathe this stuff come and look at what you're doing and give you the tips for going to the next level. Oh, yeah. That's exactly what we're getting from you right now. Someone who's been at this for a while, uh, I, you, you you know, you, you're a bit um, – quiet there. You're saying, you're saying you're not really that skilled at it, but I reckon you know what you're doing quite well, Steve. You've been in it for quite a while. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> yeah, um, so that's that's good advice. Look, the, the agency we paid last year to help for two or three days with Feature Upvote, just to review where we were and sort of guide us, I, I won't even tell you what their rate was, but it's mm. enormous. And mm. that's the thing about people who are really good at SEO can charge very high rates. And Mm. I don't think I could charge that type of rate for SEO. So that's that's where I'm, <laughs> maybe you see it's been a bit modest, but I really think these people are on a whole new plane. Yeah, yeah. All right. So we did talk about 
people starting businesses and people working with a business they've already got, what if you've taken over a business or what if you've got a product that you've just taken on yourself and you want to start revamping the whole thing? And the reason I'm asking this question, because I know you've done this recently, you've started taken over, you've taken over a product called Saver Feedback and you've been going at that now, starting to revamp the SEO for that. When you say you, uh, it makes it sound like it's I alone doing this, but I have to admit that I do have a really good team now who helped me with this. Um, ah, nice. Yep. So we'll go do the backstory. So Sabre Feedback is indeed a product that I acquired about six months ago. And uh, when I got it, the Google traffic was abysmal. It had been dropping month after month, and it was down to just about 100, 150 visits from Google every month. And yeah. you can't run a business on that if SEO is... Uh, way you intend to get customers. That's actually a very short segue. That'd be a really good point. If you're talking numbers, mm-hmm. you need a significant number of people visiting your site and that's where SEO comes in because you're only going to be getting a small proportion of those people who are going to then go to the next step, which is probably, yes, I'd like to find out more about your product and even smaller number then who's going to say, I'd love to try this product out. And then even from there, a very smaller number again of who's going to say, I love it, sign me up. So having 100 or so, you're right. That's a bit of an issue, yeah. I can even give you firm numbers. In general, for a B2B SaaS, so business-to-business software-as-a-service product, which is what my, both my products are, you can yeah. expect about 3% of people to your website to sign up for a trial. Mm. So out of that 100 or 50 people getting per month, that adds up yeah. to about five trials. And then... Uh, out of those people who start a trial, you can expect between 10 and 20% to actually make a paid uh, switch to a paid subscription. So yeah. if you're not getting a 1,000 people or so per month to your website, it's, you have a problem you need to solve, but it can be solved yeah. and it can be solved yeah. quite systematically. And I reckon that's where you probably saw the opportunity and the value in finding Sabre feedback and thinking, mm, I think there's something we can do here, something we can improve on it. It's looking like it's a quite a good product and actually it is a very good product. Um, but I think if we give it a bit more love in the areas around the marketing and SEO, we can let more people around the world know about it and suddenly there's more value we can share. Yeah, I reckon that's probably where you got into it. Is that right? That's indeed right. It's a solid product as evidenced by the fact that it does have a customer base who are paying money every month, a small yeah. but, but uh, steady customer base. And I noticed that um, the content on the site really could have benefited from the work of a professional and I have a professional content person working with me two days a week. Uh, the, the previous owner had, as far as I could tell, mainly, um, got customers via his own personal blogging. So he was blogging very openly about his challenges, building it, um, what he was learning along the way, what wasn't working for him, his, um, frustrations and so on. And that worked to a point, but it had reached a limit and it wasn't going to work anymore and uh, that's where I think switching over to a more systematic scalable approach like SEO mm. was the right thing to do so yes I did see that opportunity nice have you faced any significant challenges with Sabre feedback since you've got started and how have you overcome them yeah we have faced a significant challenge and that Google had really well I talk about Google as if it's a person the algorithms <laughs> at Google had yes. pretty much seemed to have pegged Sabre Feedback as a site not really worth sending people to, of not putting Sabre Feedback in the search results for various search mm. terms. 
I guess that's how Google works, right? When it notices mm. after a long time not much is happening on a website, it thinks, or it's not actually answering any problem questions that people have that's open into Google, it sends them elsewhere. So mm. we needed to spend quite a bit of time really being patient and working hard until we started to see a turnaround. Now it's been six months and we have so far more than doubled the traffic. So oh, um, that's awesome. Yeah, it was for a few months there, it was not much was happening. We doubled it immediately just by doing the basics. We doubled yeah. our, our monthly traffic and then it's uh, stayed at that level. But then last month it went up 32% again. Yeah, oh, wow. Down to the, to the uh, sack percentage. And there you uh, go, folks, you heard it there. See, <laughs> I told you Steve knows what he's doing. <laughs> and and we've also got in place now, so that has been a bit frustrating how slow that's been, but we yeah. now do have all the basics in place. We're now getting new content written and added to the website every couple of weeks. And we can mm. see now that uh, the, the bits are starting to come together. It's still got a long way to go, and I think it's going to take another year or two until we're really at a solid, sustainable level of traffic. Yeah. Oh, that's interesting. I, I, I reckon I reckon the way it's heading, it's going to do what you think. And I wish you all the best with it. I think we should check in in a while, you know, a few months down the line or maybe a year down the line and see, check in again and see what's happened. Okay, I'll either be saying, woohoo, it's gone wonderful, or I'll be thinking, <laughs> why have I done this? Oh, woe yeah. is me. But, you know, actually I do have a, an opinion there on that. If you just take a product that has a known market, so you're not doing something unique, but something that already there's ton, tons of competitors – if you do this and you just grind along day after day, week after week, keep turning up and doing the sensible things, actually doing yeah. the things that you might not enjoy doing but are important for the business, yeah. I think success is almost guaranteed in this in this space. Hmm. The the profit margins on B2B SaaS are outlandish. Hmm. Uh, you know, for every new customer you get, it's almost pure profit. Hmm. And uh, people will pay significant amounts of money because it's their business's pain. It's not pain out of their personal product. And then the challenge becomes, how can you stay motivated long enough to reach that point where now the business has hit uh, profitability? And that's um, perhaps what keeps a lot of people out of this when they could probably do it themselves and do really well is that sense of even when it stops being fun, you just have to keep turning up and doing the work day after day. Yep, it's a long game. Yep. Yeah, for 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 SEO because you know it's not something that I would I would do as my preference. I'd rather be coding. Uh, what I've done is I block out Mondays in my calendar. That's marketing Mondays, no mm. coding, unless you know it's critical. And I often find excuses as to why it's critical. But Monday is the day in which I'm <laughs> I'm reviewing content that's been written. I'm um, improving existing content. I'm checking our analytics. And doing all those basic things that just need to be done systematically, regularly over a long period of time for SEO to work. Yeah, I reckon that's a great tactic. We use that as well in our family business. We have a set period of time, a set day of the week or set days of the week where it's just pure marketing. And if you're building a technology product and you love technology, or if you like the business side of it and you love putting the business things together, but marketing's not your forte, that's a great strategy, what Steve said, and it's something we do as well, is pick a day of the week and just make that your marketing day. Just get focused. So that's a tactic you can use to get started with your SEA. That's a good one, Steve, yeah. And Monday, of course, is a great day for it because it's alliterative. You know, it sounds like poetry. Marketing yeah. Monday. Marketing <laughs> Thursday doesn't quite have the same ring. <laughs> 
midweek marketing is what we do. Oh, just to ha- oh, get over that hump. Oh, oh I like that. <laughs> midweek marketing. Well, my like Wednesday's my marketing day. <laughs> awesome. Hey, you're obviously enjoying it though. Um, and that's it's evident by the way you've been at this for a while and you're really sticking to it and you've decided to launch it again. So let's learn a bit more about these products. So there's I, feature upvote and yep. save the feedback. So feature upvote, from what I know, it's a tool that helps owners of products interact with their customers in relation to which features they want and they'd like to see worked on next. And then save the feedback. We've mentioned a little bit. It's a tool that helped that helps website owners, you know, and users give quick and easy way to report bugs or flag things that's outdated or make suggestions for improvements. Did I get that right? Is that is that how you describe in your own words or how would you describe it? You got it right. And after we're finished recording and this podcast episode is published, I'm going to go back and write down those words because remember, <laughs> talk to people and let them describe your product and then there you, you actually know what people want. So I'm going to give you the short pithy description of Feature Upvote. It allows your yeah. customers to openly suggest and upvote improvements to your product. We developed it as a real need. So it's been going about three and a half years, almost four years since we did the first uh, mock-up. And I uh, I used to have a, a consumer product, a desktop app, and it hit traction pretty quickly. And as soon as it did, we started getting overwhelmed with feature requests. In fact, wow. there's probably lots of people listening to this who have experienced this themselves. As soon as your product hits any type of traction, you get inundated with people saying, I really like it, but could you do it in green? Could you add PDF uh-huh. at sport? Could you make yep. it work on my computer and not on the in the cloud or whatever? That's and right. Can you integrate it with this other software system over here? Yeah. Exactly. Yep. And it's very tempting to say, yes, 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 we'll do that. I'll do this for you. I'll do this for you. And this is A, not sustainable and B, not a good way to build a product. Mm. So Feature Upvote just gives you a, a simple forum in which all those feature requests are there, listed by popularity. People can add their, their own or upvote others, and they can see why their request to integrate with, say, Salesforce is not getting done. It's because two people have voted it, whereas 100 people have voted for PDF export. Clear message. Yep, that's yeah. right. But they also can see that they are being listened to um, and that you, know, you are building your product based on what people suggest because they can see that other suggestions have been turned into features that have been marked as done. So and we- I reckon that's where the gold is. I think if people who are building their own products can have a way to really connect, and that, and I really mean that, really connect with their users out there or the people that like their products in a way that they can have their own voice heard and they can suggest features that they'd like, then you've got that relationship starting to happen. People are starting to feel a lot more connected to your product and a lot more involved, and then therefore they're more likely to stay around, right? Exactly, exactly. You know, something strange happened with Feature Upvote. I told you how we built it because we had our own problem to solve, and actually we couldn't afford user voice, so we thought we'd build something ourselves that was similar. Yep. It's that Feature Upvote actually became more successful than the product it was built to help us with. So um, about a year ago, I I sold that consumer product. We're completely done with it now. And we're just focusing on, well, the idea was to focus on feature upvote. But then I got distracted by Sabre feedback. I saw the opportunity uh-huh. to purchase it. I saw it sort of fitting in similar to what we were doing. Yeah. I had a team, or I have a team now that I can trust to do a lot of the work for me. So I figured, why not give my team something interesting and new to do and see if we can turn around this other product? So I contacted the owner. 
I had seen on his blog that he was kind of losing interest and had now taken a job and was only doing Sabre on the side again. So I asked him if he was interested in selling and it turned out he was very much ready to sell. So, uh, And what, what Sabre feedback is, uh, you described it very well. I'm going to try and do it in, in less words. It's <laughs> a feedback widget you can add to any website. Uh-huh. And I like the way you described it, a way for people to report bugs and problems on your site, which is, I didn't realize it, but that's actually the um, the key functionality that people like. It's uh, you make a beta version of some website content and you want to share it with your team. Yeah. Um, you want to make it really easy for them to report any issues, broken links, grammar problems, incorrect uh, text. So Sabre Feedback just floats on the side of the website, a little tab. You click on it, opens up a feedback form, and it even allows you to grab a screenshot highlighting the very part of the page that has the problem. Ah, oh, that is awesome. I've often found situations unfolding in the past where I've just gone along and said, oh, geez, I'd love to tell them about that. For example, uh, here where I'm from in Canberra, it's the local government's called the ACT government. The Australian Capital Territory is what the area is. And often you'll find that there's something where you say you've got to renew your license and you get on there and something's out of date or some PDF instruction form that they've got in there just doesn't work and you just want to tell them. But, you know, getting through to the to the layers of bureaucracy to explain to them um, this website on this location, it's not working. I would just love something like uh, Sabre Feedback to be on there so you could really just say, click, take a screenshot. There you go, guys. Please fix it. Yeah, that sounds amazing. If anybody's listening from the ACT government or they know someone there, <laughs> tell them they should be using Sabre Feedback. Well, uh, Quick, get connected to Steve now. He'll we help have the solve right a lot of problems. <laughs> no, that's just true, yeah. So what do people love about the, these two products? Because they do sound like they, they go hand in hand. You've got feature upvote is people saying, I want these features, mm-hmm. and Sabre Feedback saying, I found these things that I think need improving. So they do actually sit very well together. But what is it that people love about them? What we hear about feature upvote is the simplicity We've used it as a guiding principle from day one. We want it to be simple to use, simple for us to develop, simple to maintain, simple, 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 all the way through. And somehow that's percolated so that our customers actually realize this. And uh, when we contact them and ask them, like, why did you pick us or how would you describe Feature Upvote? They keep on saying, I can't believe how simple it is. Like, I was started in two minutes and so on. So that's it's really nice, nice. to hear people say that. It's really hard yeah. to make a product simple, right? Yeah, there's it, a lot that goes on behind the scenes. Yeah. I know that. I'm I'm well down the path building mine already. <laughs> Especially as as you add in more complicated features to make it still seem simple, to keep that complicated stuff out of the way, but still make it there. So yeah, that's that's what we hear about feature upvote. And it pleases me every time I hear it. Yeah. With Sabre feedback, I don't think I have a good answer yet. Yeah, uh, it's, it's early, early days, right? Yeah. People do really like the screenshot functionality and we hear mm. people say that. Um, yeah, you know what, I should, I need to talk to more people about that and find out what is the thing that more than anything they really like about Sabre Feedback. I reckon you'll find that people in the content area, the communications area of organisations, I reckon they're the ones who'll tell you they love it because it makes it quick to find out that there's problems because more often than not, it's the content people or the communications people whose job it is to look after the sites mm. and they can't keep track of everything. So I reckon if you could nail down some of those, they might have some interesting thoughts there. Anyway. 
interesting thought. <laughs> I have a, a little story about how I've used the two products together. So they don't properly integrate yet. Maybe we will one day. I don't know. But I wanted to get a feeling for how Sabre Feedback works. Now I have this product that I've acquired. So I added a Sabre Feedback button to feature Upvote stock pages. Now we're proud oh, cool. of those stock pages. We've worked hard on them. We've, we've uh, made sure they really help our business and our users. But we've also proofread them over and over and over. So we figured they were really good. We yeah. added that feedback button and almost immediately people started using it to report errors, broken links, and so wow. on in our docs that we thought Talk we didn't Talk about eating have. your own dog food in reverse. That's amazing. So suddenly you've got, you're using your product for real on your own product. That's a bit meta. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> and and it's really good to, to see how it works. And now we begin to understand ourselves, the value of it. Nice. Well, that's 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 really good. I, I, I'm really loving the way we've described the two products there and how that's tied back into your past and where we got to with SEO. But what I'm interested now is what else is keeping you busy? Is this <laughs> is this everything you've got going on? I mean, geez, you've you've flown from one side of the world to the other. You've got a, a brand new product on on the on the go there, and you're trying to deal with the SEO. You're obviously taking care of a whole bunch of things going on in your own world with COVID. What what, what is keeping you busy these days? Uh, two answers. One, I have a podcast myself, which perhaps you uh -huh. want to mention. But the real thing keeping me busy is my infant daughter. Ah, uh, nice. We live in a small apartment in Barcelona and uh, yeah. yeah, it's the combination of COVID plus work plus plus child keeps me busy. Yeah. You know, I've actually, yeah. at the moment, most of my um, hobbies have gone by the wayside. Oh, yeah. No doubt. And with the young one, I understand that completely. It's just a beautiful time when they're that age and you just really <laughs> want to be looking at them and playing around with them all the time. So that's probably, that's not a distraction. That's just a joyful part of life, really. It's the nice time. Yeah. <laughs> and that's part of the joy of what I'm doing. Uh, I choose my own hours. I don't have a long commute. I go to a co-working center, sometimes 10 minutes walk away, but often work from uh, home. I yep. try to only work a few hours a day and I do that by delegating as much as I can. And yeah. by also saying enough is enough. And that yeah. gives me plenty of time to spend with my daughter. So we're three blocks from the Barcelona Zoo and we took out a year membership, which is available at a crazy cheap price. And I take her there yeah. once a week. In fact, I'll take her there yeah. tomorrow in the afternoon and we'll see the lions and the tigers and the bears. And this I really enjoy being able to do, choose what keeps me busy rather than oh, yeah. you know, have life around, choose for me what keeps me busy. Well, Steve, it sounds like you've got a pretty good balance there, mate. <laughs> I think you're doing quite well. <laughs> Very good. Yeah, thanks. Um, thanks. <laughs> before we wind up, we're getting towards the end now. If you had all the time and resources that you needed, what ridiculously ambitious product or project would you work on? Ooh, does it have to be <laughs> like business or can it be like personal it could be anything i was speaking to a gentleman by the name of val soppy the other day and his answer to that was he would take those resources and start an entire new city from scratch where vehicles weren't the primary area were the primary driver of the city so there you go that was his idea 
So it could be anything. What, do you, what would keep you interested there, Steve? Oh, can I be like a high school student and say, yeah, that's my one too? Or do I have to come up with my own answer? <laughs> Mate, if you want to, that's fine. We don't. We can cut that out if you want to. <laughs> um, no, I'm, I'm quite modest in my, in my goals actually, but I would be a bit more selfish and I would just try to finish my something I did earlier in life, which was to try and travel to every country in the world. There's about 200 countries. I got to a roughly 120 and then Jeez, you did well. <laughs> yeah, and then I decided to focus more on my business, and then the family came around. So that that would be what I would do—just completely selfish, self-centered thing. But I'd just spend more time traveling to places I haven't yet been. Nice. Well, you've got, like I said before, you've got the balance right, mate. <laughs> you've got your your eye on the prize right there. I love it. <laughs> of course, the idea of traveling at the moment is it's just nonsense. But yeah, yeah, one day. One day. We can only hope. We Fingers can. crossed. <laughs> All right, Steve, that's a, been a wonderful conversation with you. Thank you so much for joining me on the show today. But before we sign out, where can our listeners find out more about your products and where can they connect with you online? Ah, okay. So featureupvote.com, Sabre Feedback. That's Sabre, S-A-B-E-R. There's the Brits and Australians thinking that's not how you spell Sabre. It's that's how I spell Saver today. Uh, Saverfeedback.com. And um, if you'd like to hear our, uh, my own podcast, that's at bootstrapped.fm. And I think the other three major things I'd like to mention. Nice. Folks, I definitely recommend you check out Steve's podcast. That's how I got to know Steve in the first place. And it's super valuable. You'll get on there, you'll hear different topics each episode, and they're always gold. So definitely check it out. Thank you. Well, that's, Steve. <laughs> that's flattering. <laughs> no, it's true. That's how. I, that's what I think. That's why I connected with you. All right. Well, let's wrap it up, eh? Thanks so much, Steve. It's been a wonderful talking to you and I'll talk to you again some other time. It's been a pleasure. See ya. Thanks, mate. Well, there you have it. That was the episode. And I told you at the start... Steve has a lot of experience and he explains things so well. That's why I get a lot out of listening to his podcast and I reckon you will too. So go over there and check it out if you get a chance. You mentioned it before, bootstrap.fm. What did you think about the tips about SEO, search engine optimization? Really good ones from my point of view was the fact that he said, go and have conversations with people about your product and ask them to tell you back in their own words what they think it is and then use those words to start crafting up material and content around that product and post that to the internet. That way, Google and the other search engines will start indexing your product and your content around that using the language that people use naturally themselves to find out what it is which is going to get them to your product. And what did you think about Steve's products, Feature Upvote and Saber Feedback? I thought it was really cool and it was an interesting tactic how when Steve already had Feature Upvote out there, he found the other product, Saber Feedback which fits nicely. They, they complement each other quite well. And so what that's going to do over the long term, you can see it, is it's going to make their search engine optimization activities go hand in hand and support each other. So interesting tactic there, Steve. Well done. And so for anyone out there thinking about launching a second product themselves, maybe that's an idea to follow. Look for things that complement each other, of course. It's going to make your life a lot easier later on down the line. So I hope you got a lot out of the episode. I really did. Do us a favor if you can, go and visit Steve's profile on Twitter. I'll link to it in the show notes and drop him a line. Just say, hey, Steve, I heard you on Speaking of Products and I really enjoyed it. Thanks. Thanks for all the info about SEO and that sort of thing. Let him know you enjoyed it. Well, sadly, that brings us to the end, hey? 
shout-outs this week go to Zoe Hurd. I might have mentioned Zoe once or twice in the earlier episode of Speaking of Products, and I think if all things go to plan, you might be hearing a lot more from Zoe in the future. Zoe's a good friend of mine, and we've been talking a bit about how we might start doing a few things together on the show. Zoe's got some great skills in copywriting and marketing, so I reckon that'd be a cool balance to have on the show together. So keep your ears out for Zoe turning up in some future episodes. All right. To find out more about anything mentioned today, head on over to the show notes at speakingofproducts.com. If you have a question, feedback or suggestion for a topic, I'd love to hear from you. I also welcome short snippets about your own product journey, which we can go through on the show. You can reach me via Twitter at speakofproducts or Mr. Dan Miller. Subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast player or wherever you get your podcasts by searching for Speaking of Products. If you enjoy the show, it would mean a lot to me and other potential listeners if you would please consider giving a rating. Ratings help other people find out about the show. So take a moment now and visit Apple Podcasts or Stitcher or Spotify and let us know what you think. Speaking of Products is a creation of Miller Productions. I'm Dan Miller and you're a fantastic product maker. All the best with whatever you're working on. And remember to keep speaking of products. Thanks for listening. I'll catch you next time.